God only created two institutions within the earth. He only created two institutions. He created the family first, and then he created the church. And the enemy has been fighting both ever since. Jesus told the apostles, he said, upon the rock of the revelation that Jesus is God, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But he didn't say they wouldn't try. And hell has been waging war against the church from the beginning. If you want to sign yourself up for warfare and attack, get connected to the church. How many have been attacked since you've been, since you've been a believer? You know? It's like... When you were living crazy, doing your own thing, going your own way, it seemed like everything was smooth. As soon as you gave your heart to Jesus, all of a sudden attacks start coming out of nowhere. Because the enemy fights the church, but he will not prevail, but he will fight. But we often don't talk about the fact that the enemy also fights the other institution that God established, which is the family. And whatever family relationships you have, whether it's husband and wife relationship, or whether you're a parent relating to your children or children relating to your parents or brother and sister relationships, any family dynamics, I want you to know that God has a plan for your family relationships. And one of the ways God grows us, sustains us, and strengthens us is through the cords that bind us together in our families. And because the enemy knows this, there's an all-out attack today in our generation and in our time on families. And I was praying for you this week, and I just felt um, a lot of people struggling in different dynamics of family relationships. And the first thing I want to tell you, we got some practical things for you here today, but the first thing I want to tell you is that God is with you. And the grace of God is available to you to draw on so that your family relationships can be strengthened and sustained. Second thing I want you to know is I am praying and believing for, and I felt this so strongly in my spirit. I'm praying and believing for, you know how when we read the Bible, we hear so much about Jesus expressed miracles, especially for people who had physical conditions. You remember the story of the man with the withered hand? Jesus came to him and he said, stretch out your hand. You remember the story about when Jesus was teaching in a home and the home was so crowded with people and four men heard that Jesus was teaching in that house and they brought their friend, they carried him on a stretcher and they couldn't get him to Jesus. So they climbed up on the roof, tore a hole in the roof and lowered the man down and the man got healed in the presence of Jesus. We talk about blind Bartimaeus who was stuck on the side of the highway begging and he heard Jesus was passing by and he cried out with a loud voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus healed him. We hear so much about physical healing. But the Lord laid it on my heart to tell you that he wants to bring family healing. And I know there's some deep scars and some deep challenges in the room today. I know there's some places where you've been fighting, perhaps you've been fighting all year long in certain family relationships and family dynamics, but I want you to know God has a plan for your family and God has a grace. Do you know that God put you in the family you're in on purpose? 
I'm going to say that again because some of you are arguing with me in your mind. Don't you put me in these bunch of jokers for. God puts you in the family you're in on purpose. Both the things in you that have been nurtured by your family and the things that in you that have been neglected, it was on purpose. Because sometimes when certain things are held back from you, you give more of those things when it's your turn. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes, you know, if, if your father never hugged you when you were little, when you have a child of your own, it's like a hug fest all the time because it was held back from, and you never know, that child may need that in a very unique way from you. And you, may, you maybe wouldn't have given it if it wouldn't have been for the things that have been held back for you. And what I want you to know is God had a purpose and a design for the family that he put you in. And it may not be perfect. It may look like a catastrophe in certain areas, but God is in it. He's in control of it, and he has a grace for it and a grace over it. So right now, I want to speak life over your family, life over every relationship in your family. And I want to speak healing to those broken and fractured places. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ as we open this discussion that something would be said today that would encourage and strengthen the ties and the bonds of our family relationships in here today. Lord, we believe you for healing in our physical bodies, but we also believe you for healing in our emotional state and in the state of our families. I lift up every family need to you right now. Lord, speak to it heal it, minister to it as only you can in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I got all our elders up here with me today. Give them a big hand. It's so good to have all of you here with me. These are some of the people uh, that lead our church and uh, they, they sit with uh, myself and the rest of our staff and team and uh, plan out everything and pray for you and cover you. And they are just uh, the best people on the face of the earth as far as I'm concerned. I love them very much and appreciate them. And uh, I think, I think what the, how I want to start is I think I want to go from uh, left to right and have you introduce yourselves. Uh, just share with me how long you've been at the church and uh, what your name is. If y'all would stand and introduce yourselves, please. Hello, uh, my name is Noel. This is my wife, Maria. We've been coming to church since 2005. We've been married. Uh, this September will be uh, 25 years of Woo. marriage. And uh, we also have a son, uh, Noel Jr., is uh, currently in college right now. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So I'm uh, John Coker, my wife Jamie Coker, and uh, we have two little Teddy Grahams next door in Kids Church. I'm Maris Teddy and I'm more. Um, but we've been we've been with Christian World walking with uh, with the sides for 11 years this year, and uh, we'll be we'll be celebrating uh, six years of marriage in May next month. So. So I'm David. This is my wife Sean. We're the Daniels. Uh, we have the fifth of five. Kids who will be graduating next year. Married 20 years. Uh, we've been here at Christian World. Uh, also coming up on 11 years. Um, and uh, welcome back. That was the question, right? Yes, sir. Oh, right. Yeah. It's too easy. <laughs> and uh, I'm Jeff, and this is uh, Tracy Williams. We've been married 28 years. Wow. And um, we 
have two boys and one granddaughter, and we've been in uh, Christian world for three years now. Amen. All right, what we're going to talk about today in a roundtable forum is we're going to talk about faith's role in family dynamics. And the reason we're doing it is I think a lot of times we have robust faith. If you've been in the church, you know, any amount of time, you sit up under good teaching and preaching. The word of God preached will produce faith. But it's possible to have robust faith in here and then leave it here and go home and not apply any of it in your practical relationships. And I want to tell you as a person of faith, you cannot leave your faith out of the equation when it comes to your family relationships. Faith has a primary role in keeping those relationships healthy and keeping those relationships strong. So we're going to talk about a little bit of it. For, for Pastor John and Jamie, I want to ask you, how do you approach juggling marriage, a new business startup, ministry, and raising two children under the age of five and keep it all together? Well, we don't keep it all together. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, everything right now in our life is kind of in toddler form. How many people have toddlers? Raise your hand. You have toddlers? Okay, so you can kind of identify. It gets kind of crazy sometimes. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible tells us that to each one of us, there's a grace given. That means that every single person has a grace specifically customized for the responsibilities that, that you have to manage. And so for us, each and every, I mean, both of us, we have our own grace. She has a grace to be a mother and a grace to be a business owner, a co-business owner, and a grace to start her career. Shout out to Jamie. She just started a, she just accepted a job at in. Uh, and then I, I have a grace for my responsibilities as well. So to each of us is given a specific grace for the specific requirements we have on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, the thing is, we have to have faith in the grace that we do have. Because you can have a grace and not feel like you have a grace. Come on. Wow. And when you're transitioning from, you know, being at work, my job all day is solving problems and trying to find creative ways to do things. But when I come home, I'm not, I, I got to clock out and I got to be, uh, what do they call me, daddy horse? I got to get on all fours and crawl around and my daughters are on my back, they think I'm a unicorn. But there's a grace for being a unicorn, you know? <laughs> so, grace for a unicorn, I like that. Yeah, yeah, preach it next Sunday, it's good stuff, I promise. This is, everybody, you're gonna, we're gonna put glitter all over you when we come down, we'll pray for you, just wipe glitter all over you. But, but no, um, the thing is, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like grace. Moses, Moses said, God, show me your glory. Yeah. And, and you would think that God would raise him up and sit him on a cloud and put on a light show in the heavens and perform this magical work for him. But God stuffed him in a rock and put his hand on top of him and Come passed on. over him. Yeah. And in that dark, crammed, stressful place, he was in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Wow. And you can be in a tight, dark place right now and in, actually be in God's grace. Yeah. And so the reason we have to have faith in the grace is because grace don't feel like grace. But he says that my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. My strength is perfected in weakness. But you just have to manage that and have faith in that beautiful grace. Uh, but you, you know, this is the master parent here. She could tell you better than I could about how to, how to manage. Well, um, I was talking to John the other day, and I was telling him how I wish there was a book of Mary. So I could just go to Mary the chapter Mary. 3, verse 5, and read. Mary spanked Jesus at the marketplace and <laughs> didn't care what anyone thought about it. You know, that would be awesome, but there's not. And so that helped me to discover that as you read the Bible, you'll, you'll realize that it's not just a guide to living a Christ-like life. It's also a guide to how to parent your children because you can see that God established um, 
healthy boundaries out of love um, rules, and he also had consequences. But he's full of grace and full of love and forgiveness. And that helped me to realize that God is the best parent that there's ever going to be. Um, he knows no matter what stage of parenting you're at, um, just know that you're not alone. God totally understands. He's been there and he's done it. He knows what it's like to have a child that um, he had to give up and put into someone else's care. Um, he knows what it's like to have a child that was not an outcast, not so popular, um, bullied, beaten. He knows what it's like to wow. lose a child to murder. Wow. Um, and he knows what it's like to grieve those things. And he also knows what it's like to have a child that he's very proud of and is pleased with. So if I can just encourage someone out there just to rest in knowing that you're not as alone as you feel. And you can do it. So good. Next, I want to ask uh, Pastor Jeff and Tracy. What is the importance of faith in the marriage dynamic? And how does a marriage benefit from a strong faith base? Amen. So the reason faith, it's your foundation. You must have a solid foundation, and your faith is your solid foundation. For God stated that uh, for us, we have to have faith to please him. And in order to please him, we must have faith. So then God has given each one of us a measure of faith so that we may please him. And as we are pleasing God, we also please our spouse. Because whatever you're doing to, please, to honor the Father, it honors everyone around you. That's so and so the scripture is Luke 6, 48 and 49. When you read that, it lets, that's a foundational scripture for you to know that your foundation is in God, in your faith in him and your trust and confidence in him. Amen. And, uh, Amen. and um, when Jeff and I, when we first got married, um, we had to identify some areas that we thought that we could base our faith foundation on. And the very first one was our faith and our confidence in God and in his word. We knew in order for our marriage to, to even get through marriage, because marriage is work, and we knew to be able to get through marriage that we had to have our own personal relationship with God. We had to have an intimate relationship with him. And when we started developing that intimate relationship with God, we actually used that as the bond that really united us together. Because when, when things got difficult for us, we could always go back for our faith. And our faith taught us how to treat each other, how to talk to each other, how to learn how to forgive each other. You know, the words that we speak have life, you know, to be very careful what we're saying to one another. Wow. So we had to go back to that. It always went back to that foundation. And if we didn't have that, I don't know where our marriage would have been. And then the, the next one is our commitment to each other. We knew that we wanted to be committed to each other. But the thing was, was that Jeff and I, we learned early on that we were polar opposite like literally we could not be more opposite if we tried and um but the funny thing was was that in the most important areas of our life we were the same we agreed when it came to our faith we were going to be in church we were going to raise our children according to the word of god god was going to become first we knew that 
And in the area of our finances, we knew that we needed to be on one accord, raising our children. So those key areas were areas that we could have in common, that we knew that we were agree on. And the other areas we had to work on, we had to realize that our differences complemented each other and not look at them as a negative, but look at them as a positive. And then the final area for us was marriage. We were gonna have faith and commit to our marriage. When we first went to counseling, um, marriage counseling, premarital counseling, the, the elder and the, the, um, his wife that talked to us, they said divorce is not an option. So you need to take that off the table. Yeah, so when on. you come up against issues and you will come up against issues in your, in your marriage, you need to know that's not even an option. So if that's not an option, what else are you going to do? And so I, I was sharing, you know, Jeff and I used to always, te you know, joke about the fact that we were stuck. Even when we were getting, you know, having not a good time, we look at each other, you stuck. So we realized we could be good stuck, sad stuck, happy stuck, you know, whatever stuck, but we were stuck. So then we had to realize that we wanted to be happy stuck. We didn't want to be stuck and be amen, miserable. Amen. So then what did we need to do to make that work is what we had to find out. And then the most, you know, man. You know, uh, we also learned the most powerful thing you can do as a couple is be united. Have a central focus of uniting. Um, People find out that if you don't agree, you will always uh, be in conflict. So the scripture tells us in Amos uh, 3 and 3, it says, uh, can two walk together except they agree? So agreement has to be a function, a primary function in your relationship. When you don't agree, do as Jesus did, be silent. Just hold your peace and just let, let God work through the situation. He said he is our, we are to put our trust, confidence, and hope in him. So then when you're at a disagreement, just be silent because the enemy will use your words against you. So we learned that if you didn't agree, don't go off the handle. You just be silent. As Jesus said, he never said a mumbling word when he could have called down a legion of angels to wipe out the entire situation, but he remained silent that the purpose of God would be established. All right, so you said a lot there, uh, and there's a lot to unpack. The two things I took away from that was, number one, how many married couples we have in the room? You're married? Okay. Number one, the most powerful thing a married couple can do is learn where they agree. Because you're not going to have to learn where you disagree. It's going to be ever <laughs> readily apparent where you disagree. Okay? So find out, well, where do we agree? When Amos said, and I love that scripture, how can two walk together unless they agree? He didn't mean that they had to agree on everything. They have to agree on one thing. That's why your faith as a married couple is so important. Because sometimes when you can't agree on anything else... You can find an agreement point is, well, Jesus is good. Jesus is Lord. God has blessed us and kept us. Yeah. We might have broke all the plates, but God has blessed us and kept us. Yeah. And if you don't agree on finances, if you don't agree on intimacy, if you don't agree on every other little thing, 
you can at least form a base of agreement around faith. And then if you're both serious about your faith, your faith will put you into alignment in those certain areas. If you're both serious, if you've both had the head on collision that Jesus Christ is God and that he is your savior and you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, then at some point, things like forgiveness are going to have to flow in your heart. You know, I found it amazing. We tend to be so quick to forgive everybody else except our spouse. You hear how quiet that got panel? You hear how quiet that got panel? See what I deal with on Sundays? I mean, we understand that forgiveness should flow, but we'll forgive a stranger quicker than we will our husband or our wife. And a lot of times we use unforgiveness as leverage in the relationship. Sometimes you can tell it's good when they're shouting. Other times you can tell it's good when they're quiet. We, we count faults and then use unforgiveness as manipulation for later battles down the road. So that when you get to the next impasse, you can bring up the last failure and emotionally manipulate your way into getting what you want. And women do it and men do it. But that's not Christ-like behavior. And in your marriage, you have to, when Jesus said, when they asked him to boil down the commandments, and he said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. When he said, love your neighbor as yourself, that includes, because yourself, when the husband and wife come together, the two become one, that includes your marriage relationship. Are you acting in a Christian manner towards your spouse? And I'll tell you this, that will be the hardest person you can ever be a Christian to in certain seasons. In certain seasons, the most difficult place to be an example and live out your faith will be in your home. When there's more month than there is money and you are stressed and you are tired and you feel like your needs have been overlooked and ignored and you get in your own pity party and you want to get selfish, the tendency is to not live in that relationship out of the base of your faith. But if you want a strong, stable relationship, you got to dig into your faith. Look at your neighbor and say, dig into your faith. Look at your other neighbor whose toes are hurting and tell them, dig into your faith. <laughs> you know, something else I thought of when you were speaking, Pastor Jeff, was the, when Jesus talked about there was a wise man that built his house on the rock and a foolish man that built his house on the sand. If you have a marriage, what are you building it on? Because every day, in every way, you're either building up or you're tearing down. In everything that you do, you're either building up or you're tearing down. So if you have a marriage relationship, what's the base of it? Is it that he's fine? <laughs> or he's funny or she's this or she's that. And what we don't realize is when we get into these relationships is all those dynamics change. The one thing I can promise you about your spouse is there will be changes. 
somebody married that's not sitting next to your spouse, say amen. <laughs> there will be changes. How do you cope with the changes in the relationship dynamic? How do you cope when you don't have the time that you once had? If your relationship was really solid and built around the fact that you were able to spend a lot of time together, what do you do when there's children in the picture? Because children are like bombs to your personal time. They'll just explode all of it. It's just completely gone. So, so what do you do with that? If you don't have the strong rock of a faith base, the relationship at some point in time is going to crumble. So we have to take our faith and put it to work actively in our family relationships. And that leads me to the next point. Speaking about changes and the landscape changing and different things around us shifting, I want to bring up uh, Pastor David and Sean because Pastor David has been deployed multiple times overseas and then sent all over the United States in his service to our country. So his family has had to deal with things on the outside of them changing all the time. Not only changes internally as people go through emotional things and as people age and go, go through whatever, but also changes externally. So I wanted to ask you and Sean the question, when change comes to a family, um, how do you cope with it? You and your family have lived in multiple locations over the years. You have your own children as well as adopted family members. How do you keep a strong family when the landscape is constantly changing? Well, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind is in Genesis 12, when God speaks to Abraham and he says, get away right, from your home country, from your father's house, from all your kindred yeah. to a land that I will show you. We literally hear that from God every three to five years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is, is what, what you find out later in Scripture is that is how Abraham gets, gets his, his righteousness. It's, give, it's, it's credit to him as righteousness through his faith that God was going to have something for him in that next place. Yeah. Yeah. So what we've had to do, and it may sound, sound weird, you know, we've had to let go of the rigid mindset. Now, I'm in the military, so you're thinking, well, everything is structured and ordered. But for our family, we've had to let go of the rigid mindset and embrace liquidity. Wow. Now, when you hear liquidity, that, that sounds like a financial term, and it is, and, and, and basically put, it's being able to turn a particular asset into cash uh, as, as quickly as possible. So if I have the title to my car, I can take that and I can turn it into cash. When you think of frozen assets, you, you have a 30-story building, right, that you can't just turn around and get money for. There, there's a process. There's yeah. debt. There's, there's shareholders. There's, there's clearing the title. There's all these things. So in our faith staying liquid, it means we have to be able to translate that quickly, wow. right, and that means everything in our life cannot be based on these rigid structures. Well, I live here. These are my friends. This is my church. You know, this is my job. This is my position. And without those things, life crumbles. Because if we really have faith, and that's the foundation of our family, our values are, are rooted in our faith. If we really have faith, then the temper tantrum, when we get the news that we have to move, wait a minute, that's not of God. Because I'm saying I believe, hey, Romans 8, 28 tells us that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. So if I have faith that that, is, that scripture defines right, the every aspect of our lives when transition comes, why am I throwing a fit every time I get told I've got to move? Because if that scripture holds true, and it does, that means that Korea works together for the good of those. That means that Alaska will work together for the good of those. That means that somehow or another, Mississippi works together for the good of those. 
because our kids have, we all have paradigms in life, and, and our kids have one of normalcy and what they consider normal to be. We've had to try to teach them based on the foundation of faith that, okay, there, there are normal things, and you've heard that kind of talked about. There's some things that we're going to have to agree on that are bigger than the moment. So our children have to be able to know that these particular things, right, the, this, is, this is the foundation that it's built on. The landscape may change, and that's okay, but we said that we believe God. We said that we trust him. So when he says move and we have to move, well, we got to move. Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for the good of them who love God, which are called according to his purpose. But if we keep reading, it also talks about that he foreknew us and that he predestined us and then he justified us and he glorified us. He called us. So if he, we have to remember to tell ourselves and first and then our kids and our family that if he knew me and he called me and he justified me, he glorified me, he predestined me, then he knows exactly what he's sending us into. He knows exactly what's waiting for us on the other side. He knows exactly who we have to come in contact with, no matter if it's Mississippi or Minot, North Dakota, I hope not. But <laughs> he knows why he's sending us there. And so if we're having faith and we're trusting and believing in him, then we have to stand on his word and stand on his promises that he's sending us to the place that he needs us to be, yeah. that we're going to come in contact with those people he needs us to come in contact with, or we're going to do that thing, or doors are going to open for our kids that he needs us to be in Mississippi for those doors to open. So he needed us to, he needs us to be obedient and he needed us to trust him. So one of the things we do with our family and our kids is that when the negativity starts, because it starts everywhere, and especially females, he poor thing lives in a house full of females, um, we, we can get going. And so sometimes he has to tell us, wait a minute, stop, stop the negativity. Because we have to remember and remind the kids that God has worked miracle after miracle after miracle mm. wherever we are, in every situation. He's, he's healed our body, and there's times when he was the only one working. We have five kids. And then, then our mother-in-law is also with us. So it was a household of eight at times. And there was only one income. But he's never, never left us without. We've never had a day where we were without anything. He's opened every door. He stretched our 90. And we had to tell our kids that if we have faith and trust and believe, we're going to continue to sow our seeds. We're going to continue to tie. And God is going to stretch our mind. And our kids have not seen a day without. We have not Come seen on. a day without. So that's the faith that we stand on. And we have to teach them. We have to groom them and grow them that no matter what the outside landscape looks like, what God has placed inside of you is what you stand and believe on. Just um, kind of going back, just tying those together with what Pastor Jeff and Tracy said and what, what the Daniels were saying, too. It's, uh, it goes back to what, what your foundation is, what you're building on. Uh, imagine how you would have robbed yourself if you guys would have been on the foundation of emotionalism. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. But the, the consistency of just sitting on the foundation of principles of God's word and, and how much value God has added to you just for honoring the principle of, I'm going to stand on this thing by faith. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, one of the blessings that, that we didn't even understand was coming. Our, our middle daughter? Yeah. One, two. There's so many of them. Okay. <laughs> She'll be graduating in two months. We got to Mississippi, and the first time that we weren't going a mile a minute was when we got to Mississippi. And at first we complained because we were used to 
getting things done and moving. You know, I'm more doing this in church and doing that. Oh, this place is so boring. Well, when we found ourselves with free time, we went to an air show. Now, here's the thing. My daughter never, ever, ever mentioned wanting to be in the military, right? That was, that was, that was over there. That's what dad does, and good for him. We went to an air show once because we had free time in a place we didn't want to be. She looked up. She saw the Thunderbird. She goes, I want to do that. And if you follow anything that we ever uh, post, we don't do a lot of social media, but when we do, you know that she signed with the Corps of Cadets at Texas A&M so that she can commission in the world's greatest Air Force. Look at God. That's amazing. I want to I wanna ask you, with, with a household that large, and I know a little bit of your story about how many times you were deployed and whatnot and, and overseas defending our country, that, that means that there were certain seasons where holding the household together was on you, Sean, by yourself. What would you say to people who are having to hold down a household by themselves? Either they've got a spouse that's deployed or constantly working, or maybe they're doing it on their own. Maybe somebody wasn't responsible and just left them in a situation and they couldn't do any better. What would you say to encourage people that are doing it on their own? First, I would say, don't kill them. <laughs> Send them to church. <laughs> I, I call Pastor John on many occasions and say, you better come get them. Um, but I, what I would say is this, that um, first you have to establish a routine in your home. And, and just practically, like, you know the word, you're standing on the word, you, you're praying, you're crying out, and all of that's happening. But you have to establish a routine in your home. You have to organize your home. And one of the things I learned early on, the one of the first time he deployed, I looked up and I'm like, it's five of them and one of me. I'm outnumbered. Like this got it. Something has to change. <laughs> it's, it's not gonna work. Like that's that's too much. And so I realized immediately that I needed to start to create organization in my home. I needed to do some better time management. I needed to, when I say go clean your room, I needed to make sure that the room was already organized so they can go clean their room. Wow. If, the, if the room is trash, they don't know how to clean their room. So if I didn't set the standard, Jesus. then what am I telling them to go do? Wow. And so I started to, every area of our house had to be organized. Everything has a place, and when everything has a place in your life, then you don't have the chaos and the confusion going on. And so, as a, um, as a single parent at times, I had to also realize that as stressed as I was, to the best of my ability, I tried to make sure that I didn't reflect that stress on them. So we had to... I had to do some things for myself. That meant I had to get up earlier than them. I had to go to bed later than them. But in order to keep life going and to make sure they had stability, I had to sacrifice and do those things without projecting all of that stress and chaos onto yeah. their lives. Mm. My wife. That's amazing. Continuing down that vein, I want to uh, ask Pastor Noel and Maria, who uh, are, have raised an incredible teenager. If you know yes. Noel Jr., oh my goodness. What an incredible young man. How do you navigate the challenges of raising a teenager in this postmodern society? Well, as a, as a mother, I think that the first and foremost important thing is to keep them in prayer. Yeah. Laying the hands 
on them is so important. We have to lay our hands. The, the hand has the, has the power to impart that spiritual blessing on them. Yeah. So it's so important to just lay those hands on them. Um, in Exodus 14, 14, it says that um, uh, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. We have to ask God to fight our battles. We go through so many things with our teens and young adults that we have to fight those battles. And sometimes they're hard battles, but we have to hold that peace and know that God will bring us through that battle. And, and also trusting him. In uh, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, it says, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We have to put that trust in him and know that he will bring us through. And the last scripture I do want to reference is uh, Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, in every circumstance, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific, because we have to be specific in our prayers, be make them known to God, you know? And if there's anything that I can encourage parents is, as parents, we need to pray, we need to, we need to lay our hands, we need to ask, and we need to trust God. Thank you. Hold on now. I hope you realize what she's saying. She's saying she takes her faith home with her. Yeah. We talk about the laying on of hands in church, but she's saying she goes home and lays hands on her child. Mm -hmm. And that's somebody who gets it. I want to tell you, you do not have to receive a negative doctor's report, that's right. That's right. a negative right. school counselor's yeah. report, a negative psychological report about your children. If you are a believer, if the word of God is your standard and you believe in the word of God, when something negative tries to attach itself to your child, you can go in your kitchen, get your olive oil like the book of James says. Get your baby, lay your hands on their head and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, no devil in hell is going to take my child. I lay hands on you, baby, in the name of Jesus. I speak blessing over you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. No weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Satan, the blood is against you. And, and look. We shout about this stuff in church. Do you shout about it at home? We will stand and we will raise our hands and clap in church. But when the enemy comes in like a flood against you, do you take this home with you and say, I believe the same God that has anointed my pastor and my church leadership has anointed me over my children. I want to tell you there ain't nobody that's more anointed than you to pray for your children. Not me, no pastor, no bishop on the face of the earth is more anointed when it comes to your baby. And I want to tell you, don't you ever let anybody label your child. Don't let them put a label on them. Don't let them call them something that the word of God has not called them. If you have to stand by yourself and disagree with everybody, if you stand there with your feet firm on the word of God and the promises of God, you got me stirred up. If you will stand there, you can have miracles in the life of your child. I would never let them label my baby. I wouldn't ever let them label my baby. I had to fight for my baby. I had to crawl on the floor for my baby. 
I had to lay hands on my baby when the medication wasn't working, when the surgeon couldn't do it. It was what she said, laying hands on your own kid. And I want to tell you, it may sound old school, but you can see miracles in the life of your child. And I want to tell you, it's not some weird mystical thing. The book of James says, according to the second institution God created, he created two, the family and the church. Second institution, he said, if any sick is among you, let them call for those in authority in the church, anoint them with oil, and pray the prayer of faith. But if that's true for the second institution he created, it's true for the first institution he created. If there is any sick in your house, let them call for the authority of the house, mama and daddy, and let them anoint their head with oil and pray the prayer of faith. And what God does in the church, he will do in your home. If you can feel his presence in the sanctuary, you can feel his presence in your living room. If you can feel peace in the sanctuary, you can feel I want to tell you, don't let the enemy beat you with the tactics of having you be strong in faith in here and then go home and leave it with you. There is power in your faith. There is power in your hands. And the blessing of God is on your life. In fact, touch three people say there's power in your hands. There's power in your hands. There's power in your hands. All right, I got to sit down or I'm going to keep going. And, and Pastor, I told him it was a bad idea. Pastor, before you move, before you move, there was a, uh, when I was a teenager, I still remember hearing my parents praying through the floor under my room. And a lot of times when I wanted to make certain decisions, just knowing that somebody was like, I don't know how else to put it, but stupid consistent, just ridiculously consistent. And they're up when I'm not up and they're praying when I'm not praying. And just knowing that somebody, there's always somebody that I can run back to. The, your teenagers, they, they note that, and they know that. And they may not respond to it, but they res they will, they'll come back to it. And, uh, but, man, I, I mean, just, just to stack on top of that, that's just, there's so much power in what Maria just said. If you'll just, uh, if you'll take it home, what, what Pastor Jason is to this church, that's what you are in your home. Come on. And I told my wife one time, I said, I will never get whooped in my own house. Okay. Your, your kids are being attacked in three dimensions. They're getting attacked in the natural and what they deal with at school, they're getting attacked in the spiritual realm. That there's stuff they'll never tell you, but they need you to pray for them. And they're getting attacked in the virtual world now. And there's stuff that you can't always reach into and try to figure out. So don't try to make them talk. They'll open up to you if they see you being consistent with them. And so, amen. Thank well, Pastor you Pastor John, that. one more thing before that. One, one of the things that we've learned is that no matter what you go through, no matter what your kids go through, if you stand firm and stand on his word, there's one thing, a promise that God has given us. He said he'd never see the righteous forsaken or his seed begging brand. And we stand on that promise. He also told us that if we would plant the seed, he'd give the increase. So when our kids are going haywire, we got to stand still and know that God said he'd give the increase, that he's going to bring them back to him, and that he said he'd never see the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. You don't have to run around and do anything else. Stand still, be quiet, and let God do his work. Won't you shout at the top of your lungs, my seed will never beg. My seed will never beg. And I... I I wanted to share one last thing, too. I love everything that was shared up here. Um, when you're praying for your teenagers and your children, don't give up. I don't care what you see, what you see on the outside. You have to believe 
God's word and what God's word says about them. So as you begin to pray for your children, you may see them doing the complete opposite of what you are believing God for. But I want to encourage you, don't quit. Because God is hearing and he is answering and he is moving on the consistency of your prayers. And one of the things that we have to be encouraged about when it comes to prayer is that if we don't see the immediate manifestation of that prayer, you don't quit. Sometimes, some people, we may not ever see the manifestation of some of the prayers that we prayed for. My great-grandmother prayed for every single one of us diligently, but she never lived to see every one of us except Christ. So know that your prayers are powerful and that God will answer your prayers. They're in line with the Word of God, so you have to know that God will honor those prayers. Don't give up on praying for your children. Pastor Noel. You know, wow, that's so awesome. And um, just by hearing everybody, I, I know that we're one spirit, many bodies. But what I'm going to talk about has been touched out a little bit. And that's so awesome that we're all together in the same spirit. But uh, my main scripture is Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets old, he will not depart from it. I live by that every day. It starts with us as parents raising your child. Set an example. It, um, praying together night and day. Um, it's an example, like when it's church time, there, there is no excuse. We're going to church. So when they get used to that, hey, son, we're getting ready to go. Oh, I don't want to go to church today. It's not, that doesn't happen. We already established that. There's no, there's no option. Uh, Wednesday, Sunday, we're here. Any special events, we're here. He already knows that. There's no options. So that's the first thing you do as parents is uh, set the example. Um, and he knows that, right? And, not, and I've been here so long, and since 2005, I know a lot of teenagers that were here who are still growing and already left the church. But all that is fine at the house, so we could do that. It's great. But what happens when he's not at home? What happens when you go out there in the real world, facing people with other beliefs? Other, you know, they, they got so many things out there today. Um, the internet, social media, um, so many outlets out there. The biggest thing that I see is cell phones with headphones in the ear. Everywhere they go. So we establish when we're eating, spending time with family, none of that. No phones, no headphones. It's hard because we want to do it too, right? You know, have you been, have you been out to eat as a group of family sitting down there and they're all on their phones? And that's adults also. So that's hard right there. Now, when you're not at home, you got to find other activities that they could do with same faith, same faith bath. You know, because when you go out there, they got people with different beliefs, um, there's temptations out there with having relationships or, or temptation with drugs. They get pulled in all different directions. So you got to have your kids plugged in. If you can't find one outside of the home, you can start from right here. I can't tell you how much this church mean, meant to my son and a lot of other teenagers that I know here just by coming here. Uh, Pastor John had that uh, uh, called Truth on Wednesday night. Teens reaching up to heaven. Think about it. Everything you see here is happening in truth. You know, uh, preaching, singing, uh, media, the cameras, all that's being run by our teenagers right now, back there with our teenagers, right? So that's, that's our future. We're pouring into our future, our kids. And then think about it. I can tell you some stories about some kids that maybe started off behind the camera, and he thought about he wants to be uh, fil filming, you know, making movies. We have a son right now, uh, um, Townsend's son. He's... Greg Austin, 
He already uh, gone through college, interning in New York City, and already got hired to be in film in New York, just by what he did here, you know? So get, get your kids plugged in. My son started off in kids' church, wherever he went, we went, uh, and during truth, he runs the sound during truth, and right now, currently, if you see these screens, when they change from us to different things in scriptures, my son's doing that right now in the church, you know? So there's easy ways to get them plugged in. There's so many stories I could go, I could go on and on about our kids and our truth, and we got to pour into them. And th our church is making a positive influence, and I thank Pastor John. When I ask him who's his pastor, his pastor is Pastor John, right? I, I don't care what, what Pastor John said. You know, I don't care what anybody says. So I, I owe a lot to this church, Pastor John, Pastor Jason, all these opportunities we got out here for your kids. Get them plugged in. And if I can leave anything with you, what anybody said, Always pray and never, never give up on your kids. Never. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's, that's powerful, the, the way you brought that in and talked about how we are all one body, one mind. Wow. I, was, I was listening to a commentary uh, by somebody who was trying to define the landscape right now for how we as Americans engage each other. And he said, you know, the thing about debate is it's okay when we have the same goals. We can disagree when we have the same goals because the point is to get to the same place. What we're fighting now outside of our homes is people who don't have the same goals that our kids have. So we've given them this foundation of faith, right? Now, two hours a week ain't gonna do it. That'll preach by itself. But we give them this foundation of faith and we say, this is where we're going. And then we send them out in the world and we have to be careful. Every, every, everything that speaks into them is not, is not the right voice. Right. Everything that sounds positive, right? Every nice thing isn't good. We serve a good God, not a nice God. So when we talk about being a one body, one mind, we talk about being unified in the faith and setting that as the foundation for all these family decisions. It's the place we're going that, that is what unites us. We might have differing opinions, but those opinions are all about how we view the risen Christ, right? Amen, <laughs> what we amen. get from, you know, oh my gosh, how many different names did they call God throughout the Old Testament because they couldn't, they couldn't put one name on him. You know, he was Jehovah Jireh when he provided. He was Jehovah Nisi in victory. He was Jehovah Shalom when they needed peace. You know, he was Jehovah Shama, their present help, right? They all wanted, they were all going the same place. I'm trying to define this great big God. And, and, and what you said speaks to me, right, uh, Noel, it's, it's, we have to pour that into our kids, set that this foundation of our families. And whether you, you have a, a, a partner to help you with this at home or you're doing it by yourself, right, you're getting it here. We're always being taught right, always being taught right. We Amen. have a bishop Amen. and a first lady. We have a pastor and first lady. It has been, it is from the head all the way down being given to us the right way. And our pastor told us all we had to do is activate this in our homes where we are the heads. Amen, amen, that's awesome, that's awesome. Standing feet, give our panel a great big hand and thank them. Wonderful job today. All right. I hope uh, some of the things that were said sparked your heart uh, and take your faith home with you. Look at somebody and say, take your faith home with you. Join hands with somebody standing next to you. You may not realize it, but there are people, possibly some holding your hand, that have been going through very difficult things in their family relationships. And uh, 
it would be a shame for us to be here with the power of God and the power of faith resident in the room. It would be a shame for them not to get a touch from the Almighty God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're going through something and you need prayer, it could be a family relationship, a relationship with a child, relationship with a spouse, relationship with a parent, relationship with a brother or sister, any kind of family challenge that you're going through, if you're going through something, I want you to lift up that hand. I want you to lift up that hand. If you're going through something in your family and you need prayer, please come. Our elders are coming. They're going to spread all across these altars, and we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. If you got a challenge going on in your family, come, 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 come. Why don't you sing that, somebody? Got a challenge in any way, come. We're going to pray for you. Come on. Come on. Come on, squeeze on in. We got more people coming from the back in the balcony. Squeeze on in close if you can. I know I can't. I know that I can't stand. No matter what. If I could have our prayer may team come our way, join the elders in the altar. Say you don't have to worry, no. With Jesus, I can take it. With him I know I can't stand No matter what may come my way My life is in your hands I know that I can make it I know that I can stand No matter what may come my way Jesus, I can take it 
member just go grab them and give them a big hug right now if you're in the room with a family member grab them and give them a big hug just give them a big hug don't let them go yet don't let them go don't let them go what you don't know listen what you don't know is God put strength in you for them even if they're your children God put strength in you for them and he put strength in them for you and I prophesy in the coming weeks and months, the strength of God is going to flow to you out of your family. Some of you, your children are going to start ministering to you in amazing ways. You're going to be holding your baby, feeling the presence of God because God puts something in you for them and something in them for you. I speak life over your family, life over your relationships, life over all that pertains to you. There's a lot of voices and a lot of negative things that have been said that would try to hurt you and try to hurt your mindset concerning your children or your spouse. But the word of the Lord to you is that your relationships shall live and not die. The word of the Lord is to you that better days are coming. I just feel that in my spirit. In fact, if you're holding a family right now look them in the eye you tell them say better days are coming if your kids are over in kids church as soon as you see them just grab them and say better days are coming our God is the God of better days everything the enemy's tried to throw at you hadn't killed you yet it's a sign better days better days amen amen everybody lift up your hands let's pray together Lord Jesus come into my heart Fill me with your spirit. Forgive my sins. And teach me your way. Teach me how to love you. And teach me how to love others. In the way you've loved me. Especially my family. In Jesus name.